The Sports Career Podcast, episode 186. What skill sets do you need to pursue a career in sports broadcasting? Hello Sports Achiever, it's Ed Bowers here, your podcast host. Thank you for tuning in to this week's podcast. And honestly, before I talk about this week's special guest, I just want to share with you my Facebook group, which is the Sports Industry Mastermind Group on Facebook. And it's all about helping people grow and build an authentic network in the sports industry, especially if you're starting out building a network. This group is all about you connecting with other like-minded people in the sports industry around the world. So if this is something you're interested in, head to education2sport forward slash FB and be involved in the group. And I look forward to hearing more about your sports career journey there. Now, as always, my goal each week is to provide you a special guest who is an expert in a particular field in the sports industry, especially if you have an interest in pursuing a career in sports broadcasting. I hope today's episode can be useful to you with regards to your interests and needs. Now, getting back to today's show, this week's special guest is Sean Simbel. Sean is a sports broadcaster and television anchor, where her ambition is to report local and international news around the world. She has over nine years of experience in the broadcasting industry, and I have to say I'm super excited to hearing her journey with regards to the different roles she's done with regards to broadcasting, which ended up her being on television, being an anchor. So it's great to have her as a special guest on the show. That's when today's episode, Sean will share her sports career journey and explain to you the skill sets you need to pursue a career in sports broadcasting. Sean, it's such a pleasure to have you on the podcast show. Please can you share to listeners your sports career journey. When did it all start? Thank you, Ed. It's a pleasure for me to be here and just to speak to you and share everything that I have gone through in my nine year, that is career journey, that when it comes to broadcast. So thank you so much for having me. I truly appreciate. So yes, let's just quickly get into it. So my name is Sean Osimbo. I am a sports TV presenter, reporter and producer. That is what I am currently doing. So yes, um, my journey uh, started when I was literally young. So this is a father, my my whole sports career is from a father-daughter perspective. And this reminds me of the Liverpool player Mo Salah with these beautiful pictures about his daughter on Twitter. Very beautiful. I, I feel that bond when I see um, his pictures with his daughter. So this is how it started for me. My dad, his name is Justice Osekam, a very brilliant, smart man. Let me say young man. (laughs) He's not in his 60s yet, so we can call him a young man. So yes, my dad mm, always loved and he still loves football. So he would actually just uh, sit and watch football for hours or listen uh, to football commentary uh, through the radio for hours and hours. So growing up, I've always been a daddy's girl and we were very, very tight and we are still tight till now. And 
everything I wanted to do, I wanted to do it with my dad and for my dad. When I used to go to school, I only wanted to perform well because I wanted to always make my dad proud. And we do everything together. He's a businessman. So when he would go for his business meetings, I was always there by his side, just, you know, talking to him, laughing with him, listening to what this op. And when friends visit, people visit, or even when they used to come to his businesses, he would like proudly introduce me as his firstborn girl. So we used to do everything together. That is back in the day. Right now, of course, not because we are in different parts of Kenya. But yeah, so that is what used to happen between my dad and I doing everything together. And then I realized I really like I used to look up to him so much that I wanted to be with him the whole time, maybe except school time. But the whole time I just wanted to talk to him, you know, listen to him, see how he does his business deals. But now when it came to watching football, to watching sports, that's where I would lose him because his whole mind would be concentrated on the match that's happening, the local matches and also the international matches. So that locally he supports FC Leopards, which I also support. And uh, internationally, he supports Arsenal Football Club, uh, the English Premier League side. And and we would just sit down, and that those are the days for Terry Hondry, you know, super striker. And we just sit down and watch Arsene Wenger, you know, the tactician. I remember watching uh, the Invincible season with him. So how I came to watch football is because of that father-daughter bond that I wanted it to continue on and on and on and on. So I realized if I want to continue spending more time with my dad, I had no choice but to actually know football. And that is how I got interested in the world of football. So we'd sit down and watch Arsenal matches or would then uh, just listen to it on the radio. Most of the local matches, most of them were not being aired on TV back in the day. So I'd actually just listen to them on radio. So that is what happened between my dad and I. That's how I fell in love with football. But the more I watched football, the more I fell in love with football. The more I watched it, the more I wanted to do to, to know more. I wanted to know more about the offside rule. I wanted to know more about the players. I wanted to know more the, about the tactics. I realized football is just not the goal going in in either side of the net. It's more than that. The, the, you know, the stories behind football, the men behind football, the, you know, how a club is run. So I was really interested. And also in the process, that's how I came to fall in love with Liverpool. Uh, and I'm a huge Liverpool supporter. <laughs> but when it comes to my career, when I'm reporting or anchoring, I do not show on air that I'm actually a Liverpool fan. No, it's not... I don't think it's professional, but deep down, I love Liverpool. So, yeah, that's how I came to fall in love with Liverpool. So I would love when we had like Liverpool versus Arsenal. So it would be me versus my dad. And it was so amazing and it was so nice. And those are memories that will always be in my heart, that will always stick in my heart. Beautiful memories because it's that small, beautiful moment between a father and daughter that has catapulted me till to where I am today. When I remember that, I just, you know, smile and I just want to do more. So, yes, yeah, so through that also, my dad saw how I used to read newspapers a lot in the house. And I think my dad saw what I was interested in. So he made sure we had newspapers delivered every day. And this is in the village, Ed. I grew up in the village. And, um, and you know, African villages, not back in the day, you know, when it comes to infrastructure and stuff like that, um, stuff wasn't all that good. But he made sure that I have a newspaper. It, it got to a point you'd buy three newspapers just for me. Um, we have the Daily Nation, the Standard, and I think there was Taifa Leo, which is in the Swahili language daily and Standard are in English language. And just to make sure that I actually read and 
and he'd also make make sure that he worked really hard to make sure um, he pays uh, uh, because it's pay TV for you to access this English Premier League matches. It's pay TV for him to pay that and for me to actually enjoy. So in the process of actually watching and, you know, um, that is through Supersport, which is on the DSTV channel in Africa. Uh, I realized Supersport have also other sports. There was tennis, there was Formula One, but my blood was drawn mostly to football. And the most amazing thing, motorsport, that is Formula One and a bit of MotoGP. So Formula One, I became such a fan. That was just, you know, interest. I would, and then I would go back. So growing up, that is through high school. Now in the university, that's when, you know, when you have all the time on your hands, um, you'd speak, I'd speak to boys about football they would be like oh wow she knows football and we discuss football and we discuss formula one so it was very interesting how that got me really popular and we had like factions uh in the university you know arsenal supporters manchester united supporters and you'd have liverpool supporters but we were not so many liverpool but kenya has mostly manchester united arsenal supporters uh chelsea supporters and a bit of liverpool supporters so that discussion was so amazing and i would enjoy it and also talking about formula one you know back in the day when it was braun gp bought by mercedes and now it's you know it was mercedes gp now just mercedes and you know just having all those big names, I remember uh, Jenson Barton and also Michael Schumacher actually making his comeback before his accident, you know. So it was really, really amazing about what was happening. And that is the history of me loving sports. I can definitely hear your passion with regards to, you know, the love of sports. And it's such a popular word, passion, on this podcast how important is it to have that sort of passion when working in the sports industry, but to have that in-depth knowledge where you can add value into an industry sector, if that in, in words of your world of broadcasting, but any sector in the football industry, it, it can't be more than just loving a sport. You've got to go that extra mile or extra step with regards to working in the industry. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes, Ed, I, I get what you're saying. For me, I would say when everyone speaks about passion, I think what they mean is that it makes the job a bit easier when you actually love what you're doing or what you're involved in. So passion makes the job easier. It makes the job less hectic, even if you are pressed. Because, you know, when it comes to the broadcast media, when you're pressed, uh, even if when you're pressed, you actually just get to enjoy it because, you know, it's in your heart and you're loving it and you're enjoying every moment. Like sometimes when I'm covering football, it comes down to to enjoying the match. And sometimes I even get lost. And I, after the match, I'm like, oh, my goodness. OK, fine. I have to take my microphone. I have to talk to this person. I have to talk to this person. But during the match, I'm not like complaining or whining or doing anything. I'm actually enjoying. I'm, like, I'm actually saying, oh, wow. So which tactic did this coach use today? Oh, I love this. This is working for him. This is not working for him. So I actually get to enjoy the match. And this has been from way back since. Um, and when we speak about passion, I want to see. I want to show you how passion can actually drive you to to something you love. So back in the university, as I was talking about, uh, you know, just you know, bonding with everyone and on football and all that. Um, our I, I studied the international sciences. And in that, we have, you know, broadcast, we have record keeping, and we also have uh, IT. That is information sciences, not international science, information sciences, rather. And uh, in that, I was actually, uh, as much as we had bonded with my dad, he actually wanted me to do IT. And I was okay with it. You know, when it comes to my dad, he's yes, 
you know, my role model, everything to me. And I was enjoying IT, IT, but not that much, you know, just work, work, work. And then I got to the third year and then I was invited to actually, because of this talking about football and being knowledgeable about football, I was invited to the uh, the university radio to talk about football. And when I went on the radio, it became an instant hit. We had so many phone calls that day. We had so many messages and everyone was like, oh, wow, she has a lovely voice. Oh, wow, she's very knowledgeable about football. And everyone wanted to hear more and more. And the thing they talked about the most was the voice and the football knowledge. And that's when I continued doing it and doing it. So we went back to the faculty and asked the faculty, is it possible to just, you know, major for one year? They told me, okay, if you are serious about it, why not? Yeah, you, in fourth year now you major. And that's when I majored in publishing and media studies. And uh, now that is the broadcast side. And it was amazing. So it comes down to passion. That is what I tell people. It comes down to passion. And I'll also talk about my first job, which still drove me back to my passion. So it came back to passion. What is in your heart? I feel like even if you run away from it, your passion will just draw you back. There's just a way life happens and you're drawn back to what your heart loves. And what, when once it is in your heart, it becomes like a burning desire that you can't do anything else about it, that you just have to, you know, talk to God, uh, tell him what is this and let God explain it to you and actually push yourself forward through that passion. And, and, the, and your passion always opens doors. That is what I'll tell people. If you're doing what is right within your heart and God has blessed it, do not even worry whether you're making money or not. Your passion will open doors that you've never expected. So fast forward, immediately, I think this is now uh, four or five months after I started the radio job, I got a, an opportunity to start my internship in one of the um, Actually, Kenya's biggest TV station, which is called Citizen TV, um, I got a chance now to you know go now to exercise my writing skills, my research skills, my not presenting because I was more of a reporter now then, and that's when I, la I learned you know the basics of TV and stuff like that, how to interview, how to talk to people, how to take a different angle when it comes to the stories. So that is what exactly happened during that time. And now I was transferred to hard news because it's internship. You don't have time to say, oh, I love sports. No, 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 because I really wanted to know everything behind TV. So whatever I was given, I took it gracefully and I tried it. So for three months, I was trained on how to, you know, stand in front of a camera, how to write, how to communicate, how to research, how to interview. For three months, I, I was taught that. And also with that, you have to be flexible when, when it comes to the broadcast journey. You have to be really flexible when it comes to your, to your schedule. So that is exactly what happened. So uh, after three months, I was like, now what am I going to do? God, I talked to God a bit. Uh, the Chinese station, CGTN Africa, formerly called CCTV Africa, uh, opened their African branch in Nairobi. So my small sister, Lorraine, calls me. She's like, I've just seen this advert in the newspaper. Please try and apply for this job. I'm like, sure, why not? I apply and 10 minutes later, they come. They're like, we're interested. I was like, oh, wow. Oh, wow. This is actually happening. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. So just remember, this whole thing between me starting from the radio station to my first job at an international station. This has happened between eight to 10 months, I think. So I'm also in shock. I'm really young. I'm like, oh, wow, oh, wow, oh, wow. It's actually happening. It's actually happening. I haven't even graduated yet. So quickly, they call me for an interview. This is like now during like the last week of my internship at Citizen TV. Uh, CGT and Africa call me and I go through, oh, it was a process. I didn't know international media. Also, I learned a lot. Um, it was a process. I 
the craziest process I've ever gone through for an interview. I think I did four interviews and during those four interviews were like, you know, to prove your writing skills, to prove your research skills, to prove all the skills that, that are actually needed because, you know, international media is not a joke. And yeah, just like that and just believing in myself and, you know, saying, God, you know, take me through this. I actually got in. I was like, wow, wow, this is actually happening. October, I had already started uh, my new job in international media station without even having graduated because I was just still doing my internship, but I had finished the course. I was like, oh, wow, this is actually happening. And it was a very exciting moment. But then again, hard news. Now, this is when the Egyptian revolution was happening. This is when, um, you know, the Arab Spring was happening and it was it was crazy. So really hard news. You know, you're talking about farming, you're talking about politics. It, I'm just like, God, okay, thank you so much for this opportunity, but really... Really? Why? 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 But what I didn't know is that even through my going um, later on, I'll talk about how this helped me. But now through being uh, through having that experience at CGT and that's when I knew how, you know, how you're supposed to write a script internationally, how you're supposed because everything is different between local media and international media, I think in each and every country, international media has very high standards when it comes to writing, when it comes to voicing your voice. So as much as people liked my voice at CGTN, I still wasn't up to the standards of international media. So it's it's really um, a weird thing to go through, but it was very, very educative for me. So, so everything, your creativity, how your creativity is supposed to be on another level, because when you talk about CGT, and that means your competitors are CNN, Al Jazeera. So how, 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 how do you become different from them? How you think matters really, like it, 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 it is everything when, when it comes to how creative you can be in the broadcast media that is international media. So that is exactly so that I went through that. But at CGTN, at CGTN, my heart still was pumping for sports. I remember approaching my boss saying, okay, I'm really thankful for the opportunity of being a broadcast writer, a broadcast you know, writer. I really thank you for the opportunity. I do not take it for granted, but my heart beats for sports. My heart wants sports. I love seeing action. That is where I am. So she gave me a few opportunities. I helped on the desk when it came to, I remember the 2012 London Olympics. I was on the desk coordinating that. So our the sports reporters had been sent to London. So I was the one doing, you know, the writing, the coordination. So I really thank God for such an opportunity. I remember the Africa Cup of Nations. I also helped with that. But still, I wanted to be a full-time either sports, even if it's a sports writer, sports reporter, sports presenter, anything sports. So uh, as much as I did it, my heart still became heavier and heavier. But it does not mean that I did not continue doing my job. I still went to work. I did. I wrote gladly. I, I voiced gladly. Everything I did it like with a good heart. Because at the end of the day, you're still learning. You still need these skills, which are very, uh, very good. So that was in, I joined in 2011. Uh, come 2015, I decided, you know what, time for 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 the next uh, position. And yeah, I left CGTN Africa in 2015. And I won't lie to people being, like, oh my goodness, it was so amazing. No, I actually became depressed um, because you know you're just still young. I'm I'm still young. I'm still in my 20s. I've already finished four years at this place. 
but I feel as empty as it can get. And this is what people talk, don't talk about when it comes to mental health in the media industry. I feel so drained. I feel like I've gained a lot, but I've, at the same time, I feel like I've lost a lot because I was a bit confused. I was a bit confused. So I decided, oh, you know what, let me just take some time out. And I didn't even want to go back to the, by the time I was leaving CGTN, I didn't want to do anything to have anything to do with the media. I just I was just like, God, okay, just take me somewhere, you know, communications PR, just take me somewhere or or let me just do business. I wasn't like looking forward to to going back to the office. But what happened at CGT and through my passion for sports, which I never stopped, I actually, as much as I was not having all those chances to do what I wanted to do, what I loved, what was burning in my heart, through my social media, I used to actually keep uh, tweeting and talking about sports. This is Formula One. This is football. Um, when the Olympics were happening, I actually kept that conversation going. What I didn't know is that people were actually noticing. So um, one day I remember I had gone to visit a friend and we were having prayers and we were praying. And, you know, this is this is like Three months later, I'm not, you know, I'm like, I'm okay. I'm just like, God, whatever you bring to my side. But not really. I don't want to do media. I just, you know, just live my life. And, you know, we were praying and then I left her place, I remember. And I was driving back to the house and then I get this phone call. And then this lady is a friend I knew from way back. She calls me, says, Sean, uh, you're going to get a call from the CEO of this company. They're looking for a sports TV presenter. And I think you'd suit the role. I was like, what? Just out of the blues. What? Are you serious? She's like, yes. So I'm also not afraid, but I don't like disturbing people. So she she just, you know, rambled so quickly. I'm like trying to get, I'm like, what, what, what? I'm asking what is happening. I'm like, tears are streaming from my eyes. I'm like, what? Like I was really confused. I'm like, I had already, you know, I had already made my peace leaving TV. I don't want to do anything on TV, blah, blah, blah. Like, just just focus, communications PR or something business. And then I received this phone call. But what she said is sports. Sports. And all the feelings came back, Ed. All the feelings came back. Because all I had was sports, sports, sports. And this is from the work I had done on social media. They had followed it up. They had they, they knew that I knew what I'm talking about. If it's football, she understands the game. And I'm like, what? So immediately the next day, I wake up and I meet the CEO of this company, now K24, and oh, MediaMax Limited. K24 TV is under MediaMax Limited, the CEO of MediaMax. And then he's like, we're coming up with this football show. We would love you to come up with um, a, a running order of how this show would look like. We want it to be like a magazine show, but at the same time, appeal to fans locally and all that. So please, can you do a running order before we decide on the contract details? And that's when I was like, oh my goodness. Now, when it comes to when I say I'm also a producer, that is what God had taught me for the four years I was at CGTN Africa to be a producer. And that is the first thing I was asked about. Can you produce this show. Okay, fine. We know you can present. We know you can voice. But can you actually produce this show because you want it to come from you? And that's when, you know, tears are just flowing in my eyes. That's when you understand. Sometimes when things happen in your life, you don't know what, you, 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 you don't have an idea. I felt drained. I felt like I've wasted my four years at CGTN, kind of. But you know what? After he said that, 
I didn't waste even a single second at CGTN. It actually taught me to be a producer because I was the one talking to the guys, the correspondents across Africa. I was the one coordinating with the guys in Washington. I was the one coordinating with the guys in Beijing. I was the one actually writing questions for them. I was the one who was making sure the scripts are nice. I was the one who was making sure the tags or the scrolls, however you they term it in, in each, it's different in countries. The one, the things that scroll down there and you read more information. I was the one doing that. I was the one doing the scripting. I was the one doing the voicing. I was the one actually saying, okay, fine, you can put this story. Let's start, if it's a football story, let's start with the story of this, the profile of this player. And then we show the highlights and then we do the interview or I would interchange them to make, like I was the one doing that. So everything at CGTN was actually a blessing and I was actually learning. So my time at CGTN was to learn so that when I am given my own show, I am ready and prepared for it. And again, tears down my eyes and I was crying and I was telling, oh God, oh my goodness, sorry if I was ungrateful, sorry if I felt drained, sorry if I felt like I have wasted my four years. I did not waste my four years. CGT and Africa was a blessing. I will always thank God for that because it is where I learned these skills. And now you know what? These are international skills. I have to put them locally. So, of course, people would be like interested, like, oh, wow, this is being done. This production is being done nicely and well. And I did the running order that night. I did the running order. I forwarded it to, to his email. And then the next day, they're like, you're good. You're hard. Let's start the, let's start the screen test. I was like, wow. So, everything, everything was done within a week, you know, just now for the show format, um, magazine show, but also, you know, a bit, we also have to do the bit serious stuff that's happening locally because we cannot ignore that. And, you know, and I was also bringing that international perspective. So there are so many Arsenal, Manchester United, there's so many Formula One fans, there's so many tennis fans, but no one was actually talking about it in depth. It was just, you know, reporting, oh, Serena Williams bit this player, blah, 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 blah. No, by, you know, success to love, you know, no, no, no. They wanted more, more about Serena, how has she gotten there, the journey, and that is what I was bringing on the table. Let's talk about Lewis Hamilton, how many titles he has won, what drives him, the motivation behind him, like, what is his journey? You know, when he talks about his journey with his dad, how he was, you know, wrestling, you know, jay-cutting with his dad, all that, and what the dad had to do, the sacrifices Lewis Hamilton's dad had to make for him to become the top driver in the world. So that is the journey. That is the story I was bringing to the local audience through K24 TV. And it was amazing. And then we started off and it became a hit. So this is someone no one knew in the industry because, you know, I went straight to international media. International media, you appeal to a different audience. So in the local in, in scene, I wasn't that popular. But, you know, slowly because of your work, and that's what I've always wanted to push. Just see me through my work. Don't see me for what I'm wearing or how I look. Just see my work. And through that, people started watching was I noticing and it was an amazing journey so far and through that I also learned how to um through the show because I had really bonded with the international audience but I came back I bonded with the local audience that is the Kenyan audience then on the continental version that is the uh, African audience you know stuff like that and now I became more and more aware of how sports is run in Kenya on the continent internationally so stuff like that so that is my journey to where i am today yes and there are so many highlights 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 
highlights. But yes, sports is everything, Ed. And so what? just a quick one before, <laughs> uh, the passion part. So the, for the passion part, you know what? It will always come back because that is what God has put in your heart. It will always come back. It's just that when it comes and it's and that's burning desire, you have to be alert. You have to see it for what it is. And you cannot just sit and wait. You have to act on it in a very good professional manner. Sean, thank you so much for sharing. I really do hope the listeners enjoyed that as much as I have that sort of story. And I have to decode it and I've got to go back in time during those four years specifically because, as you know, you said to me, you've listened to Ed Draper's interview, who's a Sky Sports presenter and anchor. And, you know, people forget what goes on behind the scenes. And as I've learned myself, sports broadcasting is like the big umbrella, but you can get in by starting in radio like you or for him, it was writing. How important is it? This is for graduates who are just graduating and want to work in sports broadcasting to understand the, the the foundations as you did you did the radio you did the writing the producing I mean at the grassroot level because when you understand the bigger picture then you can specialize and niche into a particular area of the process does this make sense because you didn't cut corners that's the point I'm trying to share with regards to your story with those four years you haven't cut any corners because you learned the whole process of how a tv program is run or a radio program is run could you just explain to a graduate how important it is to build those foundational skills and then you can specialize into a certain role? Yes. Um, this actually reminds me of um, the CNN interviews that some of my friends have had to go through people in the past. And most of the time, what you hear about them is that when you are actually told you'll be a CNN presenter, most of the time people think, you know, I'm just going to jump straight on air. But when you go to the CNN headquarters, you have to go back to the drawing board. They have to make sure your writing skills are on point. They have to make sure that you can generate original ideas. They have to make sure that you your performance online, I mean, on air, and you have a clear voice that everything is specific before they give you a green light. And you might be surprised that you signed your contract in January and your show goes on air and you first go on air at CNN in like December. And I thought, oh, that is just CNN. That is international. Nope. For broadcasting, you have to know the fundamentals. You you have to actually build the foundation because I think people tend to forget that broadcasting is actually hectic. And it's not just sitting pretty on air. Because if you sit pretty on air, let's say, for example, you have breaking news and you're sitting pretty on air. Trust me, Ed, within two seconds, you'll have undone all the work if you're not ready for it. So that means you can't go on air if you're not a good writer. You can't go on air if you cannot generate original ideas in terms of like this breaking news. So what do we do right now? You have to be very alert and very also flexible to just know I can actually switch into this without even people noticing that there was an, an actual shift on air. You just do it naturally. So you cannot just jump all these steps to get to being on air because I know I know being a presenter, that is what most people when they get into broadcast they want. That's what they're looking forward to because for real, let's not lie to each other. It looks glamorous. The moment we have done our hair, we have done our makeup, it looks so easy. But yet, what people don't know is that you also have to have skills 
for reading the teleprompter. There's actually a skill called teleprompter read. You have to be very familiar with the teleprompter. There are different types of teleprompter. There are different types of actually reading the teleprompter. There's a way, the one that you can scroll for yourself or someone scrolls for, for you. So you also have to coordinate with the behind the scenes. And I think it's easy when you've been a writer, a reporter, a producer, a researcher. It's easy because now it's also easy for you to coordinate with the people behind the scenes. For you to shine on air, you have to coordinate very well with people behind the scenes. I'm talking about the director. I'm talking about the people who are doing the playback with the videos. I'm talking about the sound technician. Like each and everything needs to work together for you to actually shine on air. But you cannot blame also people because that's what they see with their eyes. They only see the presenter and they just assume that is it. No. But when the moment you get into this career... Just the piece of advice I would give all broadcast uh, upcoming journalists is that please just kindly make sure you get the major skills when it comes to broadcast. Please make sure your communication skills are very effective. Make sure you're very creative. Creativity is very important in the broadcast industry. This broadcast industry, you have to sacrifice some things, some of your time. You know, it's not an eight to five job. I would love to have eight to five, but sometimes there's always breaking news or sometimes you've already, you know, planned everything. And then in just two minutes to, to going on air, something happens. There's breaking news or there's an update and you have to quickly, maybe you can't change it on the prompter, you can't change it on the, on the skill. So it's in, in your head. So you have to be very flexible. To your, your schedule has to be very flexible to such things and also creative. That's now the part I'm talking about, creativity. So something, two minutes uh, before you go on air and you have this, like this player has left this club and you have to say it. So quickly, do you, do you have details about this player or do you have to go to on Google quickly? So you also have to see how your mind adjusts. You have to simple, creative and a lot. You also have to have good research skills. I feel like in sports, you cannot be a sports broadcaster if you don't like researching. Researching is just part of it. How do you know more about LeBron James, about his journey? Where did he start? You can't just be counting his rebounds, his assists. No, that's not what if everyone because this is what um someone at the ceo actually advised me told me everyone knows when it comes to football everyone knows you know let's say mo salah everyone knows mo salah has scored but you what you sean you do come and tell me mo salah has just netted 38 goals in all competitions this is bring me the fun side of mo salah it's you know so how will i know how will i keep up knowing how he has been scoring and slotting all these goals and all that. So that comes down to research. And you don't have to start from like, you know, a broader perspective. You just go, you know, it's simple research. And the good thing with sports, because it's all about the passion, when you research, you actually feel good when you're doing it because you're not forcing it. So you'll be like interested to know about these footballers. You're interested to know about the management of Manchester City. You're interested to see how, how much Liverpool have made last season. You know, they won their Champions League. How much do they make from that? And you, the most weird thing is that when you bring these things to the viewers, it's actually interesting information more than just saying, oh, Mo Salah scored a goal. But you can say this is what Mo Salah earned from just, you know, his his image rights last year because the info is is actually out there. And because of this, it also encourages the people. You're actually educating. And that is also another skill that, um, I know, another mindset that you should have at the back of your head that you're supposed to educate the masses. So 
of course, when I'm talking about Musa and what he has achieved, there are also other local footballers, you know, who are who actually look up to him. They want to do something like them, and you want to save them from all these things that go on in the world. You know, when it comes to contract negotiations, and sometimes they go to Europe and they don't know what to do. That is what you bring on the table, so that they understand, like. When the moment they fly out, this is what I expect, so that people don't take advantage of them or they don't come back home depressed and sad. So also, we bring the action that you see on air, but we also bring behind the scenes and behind behind the scenes. Because even if you look at Mosul, I'm using him because he's now one of the most popular footballers in the world right now in England. And when when you look at his journey and you actually show people how from all the way are playing in Egypt locally and, you know, how he had to walk for, you know, kilometers and kilometers just to go kick a ball, the lack of infrastructure in some African countries, but he still made it to where he is right now. When you talk about that, you're educating the masses, but you're also informing them of how just life can be and how life happens to most of us. So behind your mindset, you have to be ready to educate, to bring something extra on the table than just saying, Mo Salah scored goals, Firmino scored goals. This is what Raheem Sterling is doing at Manchester City. Do more, educate the masses. And that is how you actually get to grow your audience. And it doesn't have to end there. I feel like with this time, modern days, you also have now, you just don't stop when I, I don't I just don't stop reading the news. I also take it an extra mile on my social media. So your social media skills, I believe, should also be on point. Social media does not mean I know many people have made it personal, but I my Twitter account is a, is an example of how I have just made it so professional. I concentrate on what people want to see, people want to hear, people want to talk about. I make sure I'm engaging with my audience on the various things that are actually going on in the sporting world. So that is what I so don't just end it there in the office and like, okay, I'm done for today, then I will do it tomorrow. No, go back on Twitter because TV time. We always say TV time is also a bit less. We can't say everything on TV. So take that the extra mile. Challenge yourself and take it the extra mile and put it on social media so that people understand, you know, first they will see your passion, but at the second the second thing they will see is also how you really want to inform them and educate them and put them on the next level, you know, keep in touch, keep, you know, keep keeping the updates flowing, which people like updates. And you'll even notice when it comes to my Twitter handle, that is Sean Osimbo, S-H-O-N-O-S-I-M-B-O. I'll talk about that later. You see how engaging even people are more than even when I'm on air because on air, it's such just a short amount of time. So I'm very specific. Sometimes I can't go into details the way I want to. So everything else, do not waste it in your head. Put it on social media. Put it and, you know, the conversation will keep on going and going and going. And also, as I had talked about, interviewing skills have to be on point because I feel like when it comes to sports, that means you'll be talking to a lot of sportsmen and women or not just that, but everyone who's involved in the sports industry. You know, we have agents, we have lawyers, we have all those people and there are so many when it comes to sports, I know people just think it's about the action. Or the, when it comes to sports, there's a whole lot. And Ed, you've talked to so many people in the sports industry. It's not just broadcasting alone. You know, we have lawyers, we have, you know, the, the medics in the sports industry. So when you're going to talk to them, after you, you know, you've, you've done your research, 
uh, you've already communicated effectively to the person and reached out to the person. Um, you're very clear when it comes to and a lot. So you come down to your interviewing skills. How can I talk to this person? And don't sound very, you know, not sound very hardcore, very bougie. How can I make this this interview resonate to the for me? That's what I say to myself. How can I make this interview resonate to the local audience that I have? Do do I need to uh, later? Do I need to do it and then you know translate to for them to the Swahili language, or how should I ask this question so that even if I'm talking to a sports professional in the UK? someone in Kenya can actually understand. So let's say we are talking to an agent in the UK who's actually giving us how, how, how he does it, how he gets his top talent and how he puts them with the clubs. How will it resonate to the local footballer who's actually watching me and expecting me to give him the answers from this interview? So the way you do your interviews, the way you write your questions, and this is what I advise, please write your questions down. People will be saying, no, 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 no. no. Always write everything down. Do not trust your mind. And no people that they're oh, I know I can't trust my mind. Nope. Please write each and everything so that you don't miss out on anything. You so you've done your research, the research about the sports professional and the research about the local audience or the audience, not just local audience, but the audience you're catering to. So you go down, you actually get all those points, you write the questions so that they make sense to your audience and also make sense to the professional. And then when you're asking the questions, please also, listening skills are very important because sometimes the way other people answer, you'll even find yourself asking other questions that you had not even noted down. But sometimes when you write questions, people forget and they just follow the questions word for word, word for word. No, have good listening skills because the people you're talking to might just make a very good and valid point that you want to indulge in further and get to know more and more about what you guys are specifically talking about. There are so many, many skills, but I think uh, that is, Ed, what would be the advice to upcoming uh, sports broadcasters. And it's not hard. And when it comes to sports, have fun. I feel like it's one of the careers where you just have fun. Do not overthink. Have fun because it's most people in the sports industry is from a passion perspective. So it's easy. Sean, you've just provided a wealth of tips and I'm even visualizing them all as well because we're so similar. Like there's one area I do want to talk about with the RCUs being an anchor. But really quickly, guys, with regards to my podcast show, it's very similar. I have a process. When I connect with people, there's a reason. Um, like my communication skills, I don't know you, Sean, but have improved with every podcast I do, not just during the interview itself, but how they come on the show. And it's vital because really communication skills build the conversation to new opportunities. And you've nicely interviewed me on air and it was a great <laughs> experience for the first time. Mm -hmm. But there's one area I'm really intrigued because for me, I can do a podcast interview like this and edit it but for you on live tv you know it's all about the process and there's one example i want to give because there was a lot of pressure on twitter with the peter drury which went massive on twitter it was trending before you even said a question to him so may i ask how you managed to compose yourself on tv and provide some sort of television tips because I know you're excited at the time, but at the end of the day, you had you, you even changed the interview slot earlier for the TV show because there was a larger audience. So would you just mind sharing that experience and also 
how you coped from, let's say, an emotional standpoint when you were speaking to Peter and explain that interview experience. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. That, that, I think that is a day I will never forget my whole life. So here I am, Ed. Let me just say the story so that and, and then I, I can get the, the pointers from it. So here I am, Ed. Uh, I think, yes, it was on a Monday. I'll never forget it. I'm okay. I've already planned for the whole day. I, I was supposed to interview Eric Marcelo, the Harambe Stars uh, player. Harambe Stars is the Kenya national team. He's actually in Sweden. So I was supposed to talk to him live uh, at night. So I've already planned everything. I'm good. I'm just enjoying myself, you know, taking it a day, you know, going through my scripts, going through my questions. And then I had reached out to Peter for an interview. And then he confirms. And then he says, you know what? It would be perfect to do it at night. I'm like, oh my goodness. And this is like, I think, six hours to the interview. I'm like, oh my goodness. So, And that is when what I'm talking about, Ed, now where your skills come in handy. You know, flexibility, creativity, you know, research, interview. But before I even talked to Peter, I had already known his work. I had already researched about him. I had already, before I even approach a guest, I, I already know stuff about you because I take my time to actually research and interview. So quickly I get on the phone and I talk to Eric and I'm like, Eric, Peter Drury has just confirmed. He even got way excited more than me. Peter Drury has just confirmed He's a football player. He, of course, knows Peter Drury. Everyone in the country knows Peter Drury. He's like, Sean, it's okay. And that is also the connection you establish with the people you interview. You make sure you treat them with a professional, very professional, that even when you have to ask, even when you have to adjust an interview, because, you know, anything can happen anytime. They're quickly to say, yes, let's do this. So it's like, sure, Sean, no problem. I'll be available tomorrow. Please go ahead talk to Peter. That would be amazing for the audience. And he even gave me a question to ask Peter on behalf of, of, of the football players. And it was very exciting. He actually said, just ask him if, which football player is his favorite, you know, stuff like that. He was also excited and really thank God because he was like, sure, you go ahead. So here I am. We have to do this with, you know, when it comes to broadcast, again, you have to have that connection with everyone behind the scenes, the digital team the graphics team now to put out the poster and the video and you have the digital team to push that online and you also have to have people now the producer i had now another three producers everyone just came on board They're like what peter Drury? everyone was just like on board so three producers one was doing the videos one was helping with the questions and now the other one was one now making time for the for the slot. So we just write normally, we say, okay, we're going to do the 9.45 p.m. slot. That's what I had told Peter and all that. And then the digital team take the post and then they put it online. Within one hour, we are trending number one in the country. Everyone is sending questions. People are sharing Peter Drury's commentary videos online. And even the tweet I put up received more than 200,000 impressions on Twitter, that tweet alone. The retweets, I cannot even talk about it. The interaction, I, it was crazy. I remember I had I had to breathe in, breathe out because you have to concentrate on the job. And I put my phone on the side because I couldn't do it anymore because I, I didn't want to forget that, you know what? There's still this interview. It needs to be done. So immediately the bosses see we have Peter Drury. He's trending online. They're like, no, this is a top interview. 
in Kenya and mostly in the world, this is how news is planned. You have the hard news, you know, politics, you know, that hard stuff. And then a bit of human interest. And then you go into the business news and then you go into the sports. That's how it is most, even internationally, that's how they do it. Hard news, business, sports. And then they're like, no, this has nothing to do with hard news. We're not doing COVID. We just want people to have a good time. And you know how they will have a good time? They'll have a good time listening to Peter. Peter will give them the hope that football is coming back soon. Sean, have fun. Kindly, can you reach out to Peter and ask him if we can move the interview from 9.45 all the way to 9.15? And quickly, I reach out to Peter. And Peter, he's quite a sport. Very nice. Very professional. He's like, sure, Sean, I, I have the time. Good thing I'm in the house. I was planning to do the Skype interview in the house. I don't have any other meetings. Sure, let's push it up. So that is 9.15 our time, but 7.15 UK time. I'm like, thank you, Peter. You're amazing. And now, now we have to, again, go back to digital and go back to graphics. And now we do everything and tell people, no, we've heard your cry. Everyone is interested to see this guy. Everyone wanted to watch this guy. Everyone was really excited. The, the tweets are coming in. The Facebook posts are coming in. The messages are coming in. It's so crazy. So we have to tell guys it's going to be at 9.15. So we start doing that again. So three hours to the interview, top trend. Everyone is talking about Peter Drury in the country. Everyone is so excited. And I couldn't, I couldn't just use my phone. I couldn't just go on Twitter or Facebook because... My whole life, I have never been under immense pressure. I have covered the Africa Cup of Nations for one month. I have, you know, covered all these other events. I have traveled to the UK to, you know, cover a big match between Everton and the local team here. And it was pressure. But Peter Dury's interview was the one that actually showed me what real pressure looks like when it comes to broadcasting. Like, I have done all these things. I, I, I even was... Talking about Arab Spring when I was at CGTN Africa, but still Peter Drury, because Peter Drury for Kenyans was actually hope. Like, oh my goodness. And I realized so many people had never seen his face. So that was the exciting part about Peter Drury. Everyone knows his voice. Everyone knows his commentary, his poetic side. But no one has put the face to the voice. So everyone was looking forward to that. And that's when, again, I say your, now your skills coming. As much as I did my research, I, I went back to the drawing board again. I had to quickly do the questions sent to Peter because I don't like my, my, my just being like, huh? So what did you say? Can you repeat that again? No, I don't like it because it's a live interview. And that means it's on the clock. It's been, if you have 17 minutes and they gave me 17 minutes for the interview, if you have 17 minutes, it's 17 minutes. So when a guest says, kindly, can you repeat that? What did you say? That is like, you know, each and every second matters on TV. So it is all about timing also on TV. Timing is a huge factor. And for those who are going to become writers, you realize timing is a huge factor. You write your script, you've timed it, you time it to the video, your script has to match the pictures. You know, it's it's a whole lot. And I think we'll talk about it more later, Ed. So back to the interview. So the timing was actually uh, but the good thing now with, with local media, it's easy to adjust. So they dropped so many stories for that Peter Drury interview. So yes, uh, fast forward, we're we now on air. Um, no, no, we, we do the, oh my goodness, we do the signal test. Uh, this was 40 minutes. We have to do a signal test. We can't just go like that. So we have to do a signal test uh, 40 minutes before the interview. And I'm there, I'm standing in the studio. I'm like, oh my goodness, this is Peter Drury. This is Peter Drury. So I breathe in, breathe out. That is not not, not in front of him. You, these are exercises you do 
before you go and so i'm like doing a signal so i breath in breath out i'm like oh my goodness oh my goodness oh my goodness help me god help me god and then we call peter and then he appears and everyone in the studio goes nuts and i'm like they're very composed you know i've done my breathing excellent i'm like hi peter pleasure to have you please can you do your audio check your your picture quality is perfect if he's sitting in a room where um, you know the lighting is not good we ask you if you're a guest we ask you to adjust the lighting stuff like that i'm like thank you so the digital guys are actually in studio and they take a picture of me doing the signal test and they put it online and twitter goes wild because i think till then we were trending but but we were not sure if we're actually doing this so once they saw me talking to uh, peter through skype you know the, the touch screen that is where we use our skype and i'm standing there everyone just goes wild and i'm being told sean and everyone is like sean you cannot let us down i'm like oh my goodness pressure 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 so this is like everyone and you know my family is like everyone in the village is watching everyone is pretty excited and then uh later so we do a signal test and then i tell peter we're going to call you in the next um I think we called him after 20 minutes. So in the next 20 minutes, they will call you and they will patch you into the studio and you'll be able to see me again. And then, you know, I went outside again and then I did my breathing exercise. This time, this moment, I'm like, no, you cannot go on the phone because, you know, social media, you also have to be careful with social media. It can either bring, it can either promote you or it can bring you down. There are people who are, there are people like, oh, why is she doing the interview? We should have had another, you know, there will always be people like those. So you have to, you know, just not give them an air. So I just decided not to do it. So, but before the signal test, I had already sent the questions to Peter. He okayed them here and then. We also talked about how he will also answer some fans' questions and he will also say if he said some of the uh, commentary or not because we, we realize there's a lot of fake commentary for saying this is Peter Drury saying. So if he also he will also have a chance to say yes if he said that or no if he didn't say that. So that is exactly what happened. Uh, that is now minutes uh, minutes before. So by the time I walk into the studio, oh, I know the whole country is watching uh, we can tell, you can tell by the numbers, you can tell by the tweets, you can tell by the Facebook posts, you can tell by the messages coming in, sorry, through our WhatsApp uh, messenger. And I won't lie, Ed, I was literally um, sweating. I was breathing in, breathing out because, you know, I, yes, I have had people watch me, but that is the first time the country was not watching politics because Kenyans love politics too. And that was the first time people actually switched to watch a football commentator. We're not even talking about a football player. We're talking about a football commentator. And that was the beauty of it. And that is why I say you can be behind the scenes, but your impact can be felt across board. And that is what Peter Drury has done to football commentary. Most people didn't know how he looks like most people resonate with his voice and that is all they wanted to you know put the voice to the face they just wanted to see that he has done so much and i was really even shocked as a football presenter i was actually shocked as sports presenter that oh wow and what if we say we are bringing ronaldo tomorrow we're literally you know people because that's what you expect you just want to bring ronaldo and blah but it's because of you know that creative side i remember sitting down in my house one day i said yeah, I have hosted football players. I have talked to the best in the world. But let's let's talk to a football commentator. Peter Drury is actually doing a very good, massive job. So I think that is now where your creativity comes in. You have to look 
at it from a different angle than everyone else. And it happened. And by got in touch, you go back and it happened. So I'm walking into the studio. Everyone's like, Sean, you got this. Sean, you got this. I'm like, oh, God. This never happens. You guys never, when I walk into the studio, never like, Sean, you got this. You can do this. Everyone's like, calm down, calm. Like, no, you guys are not helping. But I remember a few minutes before now, uh, my co-host, that is Karen, introduced me. I quickly did a quick prayer. I closed my eyes and I'm like, Sean, you got this. You got this. You have to be composed. That is another skill that you have to have. I mean, another side of you that you have to have when you have, you're, a, you're a trivia presenter. You have to be composed as much as you're excited, as much as you're stressed, because so many TV presenters receive even bad news before they go on air. But they'll still smile and say, hi, welcome to the program. I'm showing a symbol. This is what I have for you. And yes, you've just received ma- bad news. So you have to be composed. And I, I, I made sure I did my best to compose myself. And then quickly, I start the interview and definitely I switched my, 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 my data off because I didn't want to know tweets, WhatsApp, blah, 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 and I, I enjoyed the interview. It was amazing. Peter answered all the questions that people wanted to hear about. And then, you know, now you start going when after the interview. And this is the fun part. Everyone's so excited. Even my co-host jumped in like, Peter, I'm a huge fan. And, and people love that. And, and that's when you realize it's all, it all comes down to content, generation of origin, original ideas. What different can you do? What sets you apart from the other sports TV presenters? It's not competition. I don't like competing. The only competition I say is me, like tomorrow within myself. What, what can I do better? Okay, now you talk to Peter Drury. So who are you going to talk to next? The only competition I have is myself that's what i tell myself this when i was talking to peter i was not thinking about other sports tv presenters oh this is gonna be a big one i'm gonna be top no i didn't think about that i remember when i was thinking about reaching out to peter it was about what different thing can i bring on the table we've talked about everyone who's on the pitch can we now talk to 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 people behind the scenes who are actually making a huge impact across the world and one name came into my mind and stuck in my mind and that was Peter Drury so that is how it happened so when I finished I was like thank you God for that original idea thank you God for that creativity thank you so much because this is different and it's not about what other sports people felt it's about what the country that is actually reeling from COVID and bad politics felt they actually changed the channel to watch something about football. And when they watched it, they felt good within their hearts, something actually that brought, you know, hope. And, you know, one question I asked Peter, and this is the question that um, the football commentators actually texted me and they liked it, the upcoming football commentators. I actually mentioned some of them, the local football commentators. I asked, what is your advice? What is your advice, Peter, to these people? And Peter said, and what I'm saying again, be original. Do not try to copy be original. And that is also one thing I try to put in my work. I am original. What is different? What would people like? What would excite people? Because at the end of the day, sports is supposed to bring people together. And also sports is supposed to make you feel good about yourself. We, we have seen so many people depressed, but the moment they watch a football, for much and their team wins, it's like the depression flies and it just goes away instantly. And that is the power of sports. And that is what I remembered when it came to my passion, the power that comes with sports. So in your passion, 
what is your power in that passion? What is the power that will come out of it in that passion? So that is what I told myself, and I thank God for that idea. But now the standards were <laughs> set on a very, very, <laughs> they were, like I said, really high standards for myself. And I'm also trying to just follow it up. I'm just trying to say, okay, fine. Some other interviews might not be as big as Peter, but it's what the feelings that it, and you know, it just brings out the good feelings and the lovely feelings. And because of that interview, also another one came and it was big and it was nice. And now it was Peter Drury's um, counterpart and that is Jim Begley. And then from there, even when you talk to people and you say, I actually talked to Peter Drury. They actually respect your work more. They're like, oh, wow, you did that? Wow, that is amazing. I'd love to talk to you. Like even now reaching out to sports professionals across board, the moment they see whatever you're presenting on the table, they don't even think twice. They're like, sure, why not? Why not? Now, you know, I have to, I, I, I'm talking to, you know, various coaches. I talked to Gerard Lamy. He's the Juventus football coach. He, he puts me in connection with, um, you know, Kiki Touts, Troy Townsend, who is, also amazing. Now you see, even if Kick It Out is bigger in the UK when it comes to equality and it comes to the fight against racism, that still resonates to the local audience here in Kenya because when it comes to racism, we've noticed it's a global problem. And we've, when, it, when it comes to the UK, we've noticed so many African players actually flourish in the UK. What are the, some of the lessons they, they can learn and how can they, you know, fight, how can they stand up against racism? How do you react actually when, you know, have monkey chants directed towards you and through Kick It Out, they can learn that. And, you know, bringing it back home and, you know, teaching them at the end of the day, educating them. That's why as much as the interview with Peter was fun, um, it was well much deserved in a country that, you know, COVID was, was the topic day in, day out. What did upcoming football commentators learn from it? Also, back again to my point, it has to be educative. You have to always think about your audience and what they can learn from what you're doing, what you're presenting to them. And that's why you think everything through. You have to think everything through. You can't just throw it on air and be like, oh, this is content. No, you have to think everything through. So that is what how the day was, it was crazy. And the moment I put on my data, oh my goodness, that is a story for another day, Ed. The messages, the tweets, the Facebook posts, everything, it was crazy. Of course, both. And I took it uh, in a good manner, both positive and negative. Do not get mad when people say negative things to you. Some of these things, you learn from them and then you move forward. And then, you know, and you don't, when it comes to the negative side, don't put it in your head. It will eat you up. That's the truth of the matter. You don't have to reply to anyone. You don't have to insult anyone. For me, I was looking at it as a blessing. Oh, wow, I interviewed Peter. For you, you're just being negative. So I ignore you. You know, For me, it's actually a plus to my life. It is a plus to my career. It is a plus to my researching, my interviewing, my creativity, You know, my communication skills. It is a plus. So everything for me is always a learning process. And then sometimes, you know, like for me, the positive was like 90%. And then the negative was like, 10%. But some, most of the time we tend to forget the 90% and start concentrating on the 10. Please do not forget. Just concentrate on the 90 and keep it moving. And from that, from Peter Durius, I was like, so where can I improve? What can I do? 
next time I have an interview, how can I conduct it? Do I need to add more questions? Do I need to, to, to see how we can coordinate? So you ask yourself those questions and you improve yourself every day. That is my experience with that interview. Wow. Look, it's a brilliant interview. I did watch it live. And the one thing that people don't give you credit, Sean, as much as right at the beginning of your radio career, they say your voice but for me, it's your questioning. Like the one thing I've learned with a podcast is there's no time limit. But for you, you managed to do an interview in a, that 17 minutes, but the, the questions were concise and engaging. Like for me, that sticks out the question you said, which you should listen to, everybody, if you want to get some career guidance from Peter, was he said, be authentic. But nobody tunes into the TV to watch the commentator. They're there to watch the football I'm not there to get the credit. It's all about adding value to the the program. I don't know if you remember right at the end. And it to me, that's what hit home. And look, Sean, this has been an unbelievable podcast. It's been like a masterclass of dissecting the roles, the skill sets, but also the passion and what you do. But we're getting to the end of the interview where I like to finish with an inspirational question. Now, I want you to sum this up in three bite-sized tips now. Bite-sized, like we're talking about a graduate student who will be finishing in the next couple of months. So I want baby steps now, please, because you've given everybody the full package. Could you just provide three simple tips for a graduate who wants to pursue a career in sports broadcasting? So first, what you have to do is identify what you really want to specialize in. I feel like this is a very important part of when you want to venture into sports broadcasting because it is very wide. And in that, like, when you talk to other people and you listen to other people, as much as I'm into football, Formula One, um, you know, tennis, I know all these sports and rugby and stuff like that, I still have my passion in football. That is where when you listen to me talk to anything football, you you realize the, the knowledge that I have. So you have to identify, but it's not bad to also be familiar with other sports and also not just the sports, the action itself, but also the sports professionals involved. So you have to identify your niche, but at the same time, do not just ignore everything else. Number two, I think, let me put it in a simple manner. Don't be shy. Don't be shy. In terms of um, approaching people, in terms of approaching sports professionals already in the industry, don't be shy talking to them. Thanks to you, Ed, I had also a chance to chat with Ed Draper. And it was amazing. And, and the, the knowledge that he actually took his time to give me was really helpful. That by the time I know I was doing Peter Drury's interview, I'm like on this different mindset because of the knowledge that was shared to me by Aid Draper. So don't be shy to reach out to the sports professionals to get to, and to understand the industry better. Because maybe you're going to tackle something about player contracts. Don't be shy to reach out to a sports lawyer who actually, that is his field, and they can break it down step by step on how things are done. And also, don't be shy when it comes to talking to, um, you know, the players, the, the people involved in the sports industry, because you need those interviews. So you have to go there and introduce yourself with all the confidence that God has put into you. Hi, my name is Shono Simbo. I work for K24 TV. I would love to get more details about your match tomorrow against this team or 
What do you think of the other team? Be, you know, the questions that you're in your mind, you've already known what the, your audience wants. So those questions, don't be shy. Because sometimes you see some journalists, they get there and they're very shy to approach these players. I know, yes, some of them are big names. But also when you go there with your confidence, don't forget they also need the media platform so that the world understands what they're doing it out there, especially football players. Not even football players, just especially athletes. They need the media platform for people to understand what exactly is going out there, for people to understand them. And sometimes, you know, you know, you can have a bad match and everyone is bashing you on social media. And sometimes they need that media platform to explain what happened in that match. And But sometimes they are waiting for you, the journalists, which is your job, to go to them and ask them, oh, wow, why did you guys lose this and this? Why, wh wh what areas do you think you need to improve for, the for you to be actually better in the next match? You have to get those questions right through your research and don't be shy approaching these people. So one, don't be shy, you know, approaching the sports professionals for more details on how fast you can further your career to get more details about what you're working on. And also now the athletes get involved. It's not bad to keep connections. Connections are actually really good. And then the third thing and the last thing, you have to love what you do. I think that is that is it. You have to love what you do. There's no nothing as wrong as you're sitting there, you're telling people how, Arsenal beat Manchester United and your face does not show, like it looks so emotionless. I'm not saying be excited, like, oh my goodness, I'm an Arsenal fan, but at least show that you're in, into it, that you understand what you're telling people. Because as much as people are like, as much as they will tell you, oh, do not think about your hair, your, the most weird thing, people at home, that is what they're looking, they're looking at. They're looking at your body language. They're looking at your hair. They're looking at, you know, everything, the facial expression. And then like, why, 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 why are you talking to us like this? Don't you feel like presenting this? You know, they'll, they'll, they'll look at the smallest thing that don't even matter. But that is the world. That is how the world is wired. So you have to, if you have your passion and you love what you do, trust me, everything will just flow nicely. Even when you present, even when you write, you're enjoying that script. Even when you're researching, you're, you're enjoying going through documents and documents of, of, you know, info, you won't get tired. It gets to a point, it gets so exciting that what you do is that when you're researching, it's like, it's like reading a novel. It's like reading a book and you're just enjoying it. That's the beauty of researching what you love. So love what you do and always show it everywhere. If you, if, if you have a passion, trust me, it will drive you. Even if you're stressed, it will just show on your face that you're you're actually enjoying what you do. That's the beauty about loving what you do. I think that's what I have for, for them, Ed. That's amazing. And you can see my smile on my face because, you know, I enjoy doing these interviews. But out of interest, how can people connect with you online? Yes. Um, so mostly when it comes to my uh, sports stuff, it's through Twitter. Sean Osimbo, S H O N. O-S-I-M-B-O. -I, I have to say that, Ed, because I know Sean is spelled in so many different ways. So S-H-O-N, Sean Osimbo. LinkedIn, I also love LinkedIn. I love connecting to various sports professionals and people in the industry. So also at Sean Osimbo. I have a Facebook page that actually is going to be having more of interviews, my interviews, my work coming very soon on a bigger, bigger platform. So yes, also at Sean Osimbo. So feel free to like my Facebook page. Feel free to follow me on Twitter. And, you know, just let's keep the conversation going about sports, about, you know, sports broadcasting, about just being together and making everything grow. Because all I want is 
for the industry to grow. All I want is people to learn. All, all I want is people to be informed. Just like what you're doing, Ed, you know, informing the, the upcoming sports professionals so that they don't go and, you know, pay lots of, you know, crazy amounts and yet there's your podcast that they can, if they want to be a sports uh, that is broadcast, it, it's easy. If they want to be in sports law, it's easy. If they want to be a medic in the sports world, it's easy. So there's also that. So let's keep on. And I'm always learning every day, Ed. That's what I tell myself. I will never stop learning. I will never stop improving myself. I will never stop improving my skills. I will learn till the day I go six feet under. That is my tagline. Like, you know, learn every day, educate myself every day. That's why I'm always excited to connect with different people because different people have different ideas. And some of those ideas are always, most of the time, they are always amazing ideas, Ed. Well, this is the power of education which you know i'm a big fan of with regards to self-development look all those links with regards to how you can connect with sean will be on my blog post relating to this podcast sean it's been such a pleasure chatting with you today thank you very much thank you thank you so much ed i had so much fun wow what an unbelievable podcast chat with sean and i really do hope you enjoyed that as much as i did especially if you want to pursue a career in sports broadcasting like I said in the podcast, this was like a masterclass. Sean nicely explained behind the scenes what goes on with regards to the broadcasting and producing a television show. Like without a doubt, there are so many learning lessons that you can take from this interview. And if you do want to work in this sector of the sports industry, I hope you re-listen to it, get a pen and paper, and I promise you, you'll learn something new. But what's really important, which I really admire from Sean, is that she took the courage to get out of her comfort zone right at the beginning. Like when she had her first role in radio with regards to her voice and how she's utilised her voice to then go into television with regards to the production side. Again, being more of a writer than being a TV anchor. This was understanding the process of being a producer, a writer, doing the research, as I called it during the interview, getting those foundational skills of understanding how to run a show. Like she said, they were very, those four years were tough, but it gave her the foundation, which then led her to a passion with regards to sport, which then led her to being an anchor of understanding how she can utilize her skill sets, like her questioning. I've had the privilege to be interviewed her on television myself. She nicely invited me to talk about education um, with regards to people's self-development and her questioning is one of her strengths. Yes, her voice, but to be honest, she is a great anchor because of her questioning. Like anything, the better your questions, the better the answers and the better, you know, the better way you're going to educate people, inspire people and solve other people's problems. So I really do hope that if you want to work in this industry, it's so broad, like you people think being an anchor you start in the broadcasting world and you get to being an anchor. It doesn't work like that. It takes years. It takes time. It takes persistence. It takes patience, a bit uncertainty as well. But if you're willing to put yourself out there and, as she said, go that extra mile with regards to using your social media platforms to leverage who you are as an individual, leverage the content you're sharing to the world that grabs people's attention. That is how she got the opportunities as being an anchor. If you remember, she said that she um, 
left that job, which was all that hard news, and then she had a break, and then out of the blue, she got a phone call to be an anchor, exactly what she wanted to do with regards to her passion, and as a result, she got what she wanted, but it took time. So from that side of things, again, I hope you've got the foundation of an understanding what it takes to pursue a career in sports broadcasting. And then with regards to the career element, with regards to those three tips, which are so applicable to any industry sector in the sports industry is know what you want to do is so important. And really having that consistency in your learning is so important as well. And finally, you've got to enjoy what she does. Like the one thing I learned from Sean is she said in the podcast that your passion makes your work easier. And I couldn't agree more with regards to what she said there, because honestly, if you want to pursue a career in the sports industry, you're going to have good days, bad days. You're going to have amazing days like Sean experienced with regards to interviewing Peter Drury. But as a whole, if you have that passion, it makes the day go smoother. So on that note, I really do hope you apply those career guidance tips from Sean and apply it to your sports career journey today and make it happen. Now, as always, at the end of each podcast episode, I'd like to finish with an inspirational quote from my guest speaker. Sean said, do not get mad when people say negative things about you. Some of these things you can learn from and then move forward. Instead, focus on the positives, focus on your passion relating to what you want to do and what you want to enjoy with regards to your career development.